from the Father, the robe, the ring, and the sandals. So turn with me in your John chapter 1, and then we'll look at the story again over in Luke 15. But we'll start with John chapter 1. The series comes out of the, the truth that we know that God is a good, good father. And Jesus even said in Matthew 7, 11, that if you then, though you are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more do you think that God... Siri, I'm not talking to you. This is why I usually don't bring my phone up here anymore. But how much more your heavenly father wants to give you good gifts. And it says to good gifts to those who ask. So it's how we handle those gifts what we do with those gifts, if we'll even receive those gifts. That's uh, our choice and our responsibility. So for the sake of time, I'm not going to go back through the last three weeks. Please listen to the podcast. Uh, they also have free CDs if you want to get the messages. They're always free back there as well. Um, but I, today I want to focus on the greatest gift from the Father. And we're going to read a couple verses in John chapter 1, and then jump down to verse 10. Verse 1, it says, In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was with God in the beginning. Verse 10. He was in the world, and though the world was made through him, the world did not recognize him. He came to that which was his own, but his own did not receive him. Yet to all who received him, to those who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God. Children born not of natural descent, nor of human decision, or even a husband's will, but born of God. The word became flesh and made his dwelling among us. We have seen his glory, the glory of the one and only who came from the Father, full of grace and truth. Let's pray. Father, we thank you, God, for this season of love, the season of gifting, the, the season where we can peer into your Father's heart just by being able to give a gift to somebody else we love, Lord. That your whole heart of love can be unwrapped. And seen in such a beautiful illustration as a present to another. So God, open our eyes, open our ears to hear and see all you have for us today. And a heart willing to receive you. In Jesus' name. Amen. In the beginning was the Word. The Word became flesh and dwelt among us. We have seen His glory, the one and only, the gift from the Father. Jesus, the Word, the One, the Gift. You had to have seen that one coming, right? And John 3.16 says, For God so loved the world that He gave His one and only Son. And I love it, the original says, For whosoever will. Not just to all. Because if it's, if it's titled, if this gift is wrapped and name tag put on it and it just says 
to all, there's no care, no concern for the, the recipient and what they do with it. But the words or, or the phrase for uh, or to whosoever will implies a response to the gift. Whosoever will, will what? Will receive him. Will take him in. We'll not just set him on a shelf and look at it now and then or dust him off on Sunday and present him like a badge or, or a cross on a necklace look. But it's a force whosoever will. There's quite the open application to that invitation that demands such a response. It's, it's like being able to peer into, I know they've got these presents scattered throughout here, but it's like being able to have Superman vision, x-ray vision, to be able to peer into this immaculate gift, this, this, uh, I mean, I can't even describe the splendor of the universe, even, you know, even in Luke, which we'll read later, where it says that all heaven came together and the glory shone about what? The world. It's like you can see into this present, but in seeing it, you can almost feel Feel your responsibility that if I touch that gift, if I take that gift, if I receive that gift, I have a responsibility to that gift. See that for whosoever will is not just a to all, to any, if you want it. But see, we've watered down the words so much that we felt like we had to do that. We've watered down the invitation so much. Don't make them feel uncomfortable. Don't tell them of a risk. Responsibility. Don't demand a change in their life. Just let Jesus do that. And here, just can you take him? And we almost want to uh, put a pretty bow on it and pretend it's something other than what it is. And he doesn't need our bows. He doesn't need our ribbons. He doesn't need our fancy wrapping. He don't even need a, a, an eloquent speech. He came wrapped in swaddling clothes. Even know what swaddling clothes means? It means the rag that was laying nearby. Wrapped him up and put him in a manger. He don't need anything. Why? Because if you can peer into that gift, he is the world. <laughs> he is beyond the world. Jesus is the greatest gift the Father, given from the Father. But as that invitation implies, what will you do with this gift that's been given to you? In Luke 15, we've been reading this story of the prodigal son. The whole uh, series comes from this prodigal son. But we've been stopping short, if you haven't noticed, every week and just sharing the prodigal, the lost son's story but that's not the complete story so if we if you'd allow me to I want to read the complete story to you and then pick up and kind of focus our attention for a little bit not just on the lost son but we're also going to look at that older son the story picks up in verse 11 chapter 15 verse 11 Jesus continued there was a man who had two sons the younger one said to his father, Father, give me my share of the estate. So the father divided his property between the two of them. 
Not long after that, the younger son got together all he had, set off for a distant country, and there he squandered his wealth in wild living. After he had spent everything, there was a severe famine in that whole country, and he began to be in need. So he went and hired himself out to a citizen of that country who sent him to his field to feed pigs. He longed to fill his stomach with the pods that the pigs were eating, but no one gave him anything. When he came to his senses, he said, How many of my father's hired men have food to spare, and here I am starving to death. I will set out, go back to my father, and say to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and against you. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. Make me like one of your hired men. So he got up and went back to his father. But while he was still a long way off, his father saw him and was filled with compassion for him. He ran to his son, threw his arms around him, and kissed him. The son said to him, Father, I've sinned against heaven and against you. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. Make me like one of your hired men. But the father said to his servants, Quick, bring the best robe and put it on him. Put a ring on his finger and sandals on his feet. Bring the fattened calf and kill it. Let's have a feast and celebrate. For the son of mine was dead and is alive again. He was lost and is found. And so they began to celebrate. Meanwhile, the older son was in the field. When he came near the house, he heard music and dancing. So he called one of the servants and asked him what was going on. Your brother has come home, he replied, and your father has killed the fattened calf because he has him back safe and sound. The older brother became angry and refused to go in. So his father went out and pleaded with him. But he answered his father, look, all these years I've been slaving for you and never disobeyed your orders. Yet you never gave me even a young goat so I could celebrate with my friends. But when this son of yours who has squandered your property with prostitutes comes home, you kill the fattened calf for him? My son, the father said, you are always with me, and everything I have is yours. But we had to celebrate and be glad, because this brother of yours was dead and is alive again. He was lost and is found. The older brother was always home. He was always there. He was always working. Yet his complaint was, well, why didn't you celebrate with me? Why couldn't you give me a, a party to have with my friends? And the father's response, listen, was what? What do you mean? It's always been yours. Listen, at the beginning of the story, when the younger said, hey, I don't want to wait till you die, dad. Give me my inheritance now. He divided his inheritance then. To the older son goes a double portion. Actually, the father was living like a slave in his own house. He gave away all he had. He divided it up. The older son not only had his share, he had a double portion. So his 
His father's like flabbergasted. What, what do you mean if I get? It's not mine anymore. I gave it to you. It was all yours. But the older son continued to go on living as if nothing changed. And see, that's the other half of the story that I, I kind of want to talk about for a little bit, is how long have you been the older brother, the one who received the new gift, the one who received the gift of Jesus whenever, way back when? What have you been doing? What have you been doing with that gift? You just kind of continuing on living life like nothing changed? Because everything should change. When Jesus came into a room, he didn't leave and people just kind of went, oh, I wonder who that was. Well, the word we just read said that the, they didn't even recognize him. Remember a few months ago, we did a series on, you know, the whole during this feast. And it was uh, over and over again. Jesus kept saying, hey, people, you know, when they were lighting these great big candelabras, he's like, I am the light of the world. And they're like, who is this? They're studying the scriptures. They're knowing the word, but they don't know the word when he's standing right with them. During the water pouring ceremony, didn't he? He called out and he said, if you're thirsty, come to me and drink. Why? I'm the water. I am the living water. Drink of me. Yet they're like, who is this? You know, can you possibly be living with a double portion and you just go on living life? As if nothing changed? Do you know why the older son is given the double portion? The older son in those times were given a double portion because he carried a bigger weight of responsibility than the youngers. His double portion was so that he would care for his brothers and sisters in the father's absence. Your double portion, once you receive Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, and, and God says all in heaven, everything here is now yours, right? You have been seated with Christ in heavenly realms far above everything. He says, Jesus said, all that is mine, the Holy Spirit will make known or give or reveal to you. That's that double portion. Why do you have a double portion? Because you have a responsibility to care for. The lost. You see, the older son, his response was anger, jealousy. But it was not founded in truth. It was founded in feelings. And feelings are a good slave, but they are a horrible master. If you're led around by your feelings, it's like a, that hook that they put in the nose of those pigs, bulls. I've seen them in those bulls. Why? Because they can make those things. I almost said a word you guys don't like me to say. Lead them around. So on Christmas, there's your present from me. I didn't say that word. It stopped right there. But with a hook in the nose, with this little bitty rope, they can lead a big bull around. Right? You've been given a double portion because you have a responsibility. To care for. To care for. I mean, when you really look at the picture of what the older son was doing, can't you see yourselves? Or it's best if we just look at ourselves. When God reveals something in the word, it's best if it comes up like a mirror 
and not like binoculars. Oh, yeah, I see that person's just like that and that person's just like that. It's best when it reveals something in the Word. If you get somebody else's name when God's revealing something in your Word, uh, uh, say it that way. If it's free, unless it's a, uh, comes from the heart to go and speak to that person. But if, the, if it comes with a finger pointing, oh, I know, just because just like that. She needs, I'm glad she's here. She needs to hear this word, you know, and where's so-and-so? See, they should have been here, right? It's best when God reveals his word to you to see it like a mirror, to see yourself in it. And sometimes when we see the older son and how he was running around, Busy about doing everything for the father. I was doing everything you said. I was taking care of business and doing this, but you never let me. Can you just see people in the church running around busy, 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 complaint, 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 complaint? They are losing their heart of compassion for the lost because they're busy about doing the work and not carrying the heart of the father. Can you see that in the story of Martha and Mary? You know what's, I'm trying to, okay, I don't think we have a ministry called that in this church, which is good. Um, it's horrible that churches name their serving ministry the Martha ministry. Because Martha was rebuked for what she was doing. So let's build a ministry after the rebuked one. Yeah. Hmm. No, but in the story of Martha and Mary, the two sisters, Martha was mad because Mary was sitting at the feet of the Jesus and she feet of Jesus and she was busy about getting the dinner together and getting everything ready. And Jesus, don't, can't you tell my sister to get up and get busy? And what did he say? Oh, Martha, Martha. Can you just see the father's voice to the older son? Oh, son. You've lost your heart. What's more important? That your brother came home, he was dead, and now he's alive, he's lost and found. He came back. Come in and celebrate with us. And what do you mean you wanted this or you wanted that? It was all yours to begin with. You could have enjoyed it at any time you wanted to. You're not the slave in the house. The father says, I am the slave for you. He makes himself. Come on, Martha and Mary. Martha, set down the dish, set down the towel, and come and sit down by me. Why? Because that's the only place you can gather the heart of the Father. Only place you can get to know what makes his heart beat. That's the only place you can take your list of to-dos and lay them at his feet and he'll say, you know what? We'll talk about that later. This is more important. The gift of Jesus is not a gift you can set on a shelf or tuck away and forget about it and just go on and live like life as if nothing has changed. The greatest gift must be received. It must be opened. It must be lived out. That's how the word becomes Active and alive. It's when it's applied to the life 
and walked out. How does that happen? I don't know. But it does. In 2 Corinthians chapter 5, says starting in verse 17, Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, which means they received this gift, they opened up this gift, and they received it, whosoever will, received it into them, in Christ. He is a new creation. The old has gone. The new has come. All this is from God who reconciled ourselves, us, to him through Christ, and he gave us this ministry. So the minute you receive this gift, open it up, and it's almost like stepping in. It is. It's a stepping into this gift of Christ. Now it's no longer I that lives, but it's Christ that lives in me. The old has gone. The new has come. He called us, uh, reconciled himself through Christ, gave us the ministry. Then he put in in us, there's that responsibility. Now we have the ministry, the message of this gift, this reconciliation, that it's to whosoever will. So now we carry this gift, what? In us, in earthly vessels, it's called. So that his glory can shine through us and we hold out this gift. It's that, there, there it is. He says, We've been given this ministry of reconciliation that God is reconciling the world to himself in Christ, not counting men's sins against them. And he has committed to us this message. You know, God lays out everything on us to carry to the world. That's responsibility. Privilege. We are therefore Christ ambassadors. Where have you heard that one before? In that robe, that ring, right? That sandals. We're Christ ambassadors. We represent the king himself. And he says an ambassador and an apostle, which means an apostle reproduces the kingdom where he comes from, wherever he goes. So we carry this message, this ministry. He committed it to us as ambassadors, as apostles, as though God himself were making his appeal through us. It's not your words. You can do nothing apart from me, he says. And it's the power. With the infilling Holy Spirit, you'll have the power to be my witnesses. We don't have to worry about what we're going to say. He says, we implore you on Christ's behalf, be reconciled to God. Receive this gift. That's our message. That's our message. God made him who had no sin to be sin for us so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. Listen, I've shared this with you before that when we receive Jesus Christ, we step into Jesus. I mean, if you can, I don't think I can communicate it completely enough that it's not just, forget it, I'm not even going to try. But as we step into Jesus, 
that he says that we're seated with him in heavenly realms. Jesus sits at the right hand of God. We sit with Jesus at the right hand of God. When we're sitting beside God on the throne with Jesus, when we turn our face and we look at God, when God turns his face and he looks at us, he sees us through the image of his son, completely righteous, completely justified, completely reconciled to him. No sin counted against us. And he put that message in us as his ambassadors than to carry it and tell other people, Deandra, no sin will be held against you. You are the righteousness of God, the glory and display of his favor rest upon you. All that you could ever dream and imagine is found in him. All you have to do is receive to whosoever will receive him. As God's fellow workers, we urge you not to receive God's gift. Sorry, this is still 2 Corinthians chapter 5. I'm just, this is Brenda translation, I guess. As fellow workers, we urge you not to receive God's grace, his gift in vain. You see that? That's so important. Too many people want to, hey, I'll say the sinner's prayer, we call it. So it's like this get out of jail free card in Monopoly, which, you know, I'd like to make extras of those when I play that game, right? Been there once, don't want to do that again. But I, it's not a badge we wear or a cross we, we wear around our neck to say, yeah, I remember when, you know, I remember when I gave my heart to the Lord. Well, what are you doing now? Waiting until Jesus comes back. Think there's something in between that we're supposed to do. You know, there, there's got to be something in between that. But he says, don't take the gift in vain. Don't just think you're going to take it and, and hold on. Or, or like the older son, go about your life doing life just the way you want to do it and think that you'll stand before God on Judgment Day, which the Bible says we all will. Oh, by the way, Merry Christmas. Yay, uplifting message. Um, and have to give an account for everything we've done. And he says what we didn't do. It's not just because you can be the best person in the world and do all the or not do all the wrong things, but forget about doing all the things you're supposed to do. And you will give an account of that. I will give an account of that. Those Those days between the, I receive Jesus Christ, I receive that gift to where I stand before God. I don't just give back that gift and say, here it is. Here's what you're giving me. Where have we heard that one before? Yeah, the talents. That's right. What was he called? Wicked. You wicked servant. Not a son. You wicked servant. You just thought you could just serve me. By hiding what I gave you and, and being able to return it back to me, that that was going to make me happy? Still in 2 Corinthians going on, it says, For he says, in the time, God says, in the time of my favor, I heard you. And in the day of salvation, I helped you. 
I tell you, now is the time of God's favor. Now is the day of salvation. See, while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. When, let me talk to the older brothers for a little bit. And yes, ladies, that's us too. When you hold God's gift because it says that it's been committed to us, this message of reconciliation, this message of Jesus, when we hold on to that as if, well, what have you done? You don't really earn this. Look at you. You're laying out here on the streets. You're drinking. You're drunk. I'm not going to give that message to him. Who are you to withhold that? While you were yet sinners, Christ died for you. I've preached to drunks. Well, the word says don't cast your pearls before the swine. The word also says don't speak poorly or badly about another man's son. We're all God's children. Do you not think that God can get his word into somebody who's drunk? Now, I'm not saying go to the bars at 2 o'clock in the morning and start preaching Jesus. You know, use a little wisdom there. I'm just trying to say this is a gift that's been given to you. You need to carry that to whosoever will. You need to be carrying that as if it was this. I want to pick one of these up, but I don't want to touch it. Can I pick this one up? Where's Crystal? Can I? It's not attached. Okay. It's as if we're walking around all of our days with this while I'm drinking my coffee. Oh, it's warm, too. Hey, that's pretty good. While I'm drinking my coffee, while I'm sitting, talking to friends, you should think of your life as if you always have a gift in your hands. Thank you. That was really good. I was thirsty, too. And the tag, even though this one don't, maybe we should have thought ahead, but says to whosoever will. So the minute you get close to somebody, you're in a grocery store or whatever, and you're carrying your gift, you're always carrying this gift of Jesus. And you're standing in the grocery store checkout, and you look over, and you can feel the Holy Spirit tug at your heart and say, that one wills. And you go, hmm? <laughs> right? When you're listening, when you're taking your responsibility serious. It is as if there is a magnet that draws you to those whosoever will, wherever they are. You don't have to hide your gift and go looking for the person. Oh, there, I dropped it. Hide your gift and go looking for those that, I mean, this is pretty. I don't want to give it to a little kid. They might rip it up. You know, will they really take it serious? I mean, I want to look, you know, Jacob's sleeping half the time. What would he do with this, you know? Oh, you're awake today. That's right, buddy. I'm so proud of you. You know, I don't know. This is, you know, awful pretty, you know. I don't know. Summer loses music when she has to play a special. I don't want to give. She might lose this. No, all we have to be thinking is this gift that I'm holding says whosoever will. It's to whosoever will. So as I'm carrying and going about my life, you know, nursing on the B4 floor, hey, that all of a sudden I feel the tap on the shoulder. That one wills right there. Give it to that one. 
You're like, oh, I don't know how to do it. It's as simple, just like Mama shared her message, her testimony. Here. Here. Well, what is that? You know, it's Jesus. Jesus is the ultimate gift. Did you know that? Oh, you were raised in church? Oh, so you know. You know that there's a promise about you in the Bible. There is? Yeah. When you train up a child in the way that they should go, they won't ever depart for it. They will come back again. So it is promised that you will come back again. What? Yeah. Sorry, I'm going to take this back. You can't have it anymore. I'll put it there. I don't want to mess up the stage. For whosoever will. The day of the salvation. The day of his salvation. The day of his favor. Didn't you love that song? And Pastor Neil got that scripture. Favor. You just don't understand. I mean, I could do a whole, you know, series on just the favor of God. It's, it's more than just a smile your way. It's more than just a pat on the back. Or, yes, you can have a dessert tonight. Isn't that always a good thing? The boys think it's funny when they do something right. What do I always say? You get an extra dessert tonight. And sometimes they're like, well, what's for dessert? I don't have one. But if I did, you would get an extra one. But favor is more than that. God's favor is more than that. And I love that he tied it with the day of salvation. Why? Because while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. When God looked around in heaven and said, I know this world, because remember, God sees, God sets over everything. He sets over time. He sees the past, the present, and the future all as one. He sets over it. He can see that on this day that if there's no intervention, this is what this person's going to do. And he knew there needed to be a day of intervention. And he looked around in heaven and said, there's only one that's the best I can give. There's only one that can reconcile the world back to God, back to me. And he gave. He gave the best. He gave the one. For whosoever will. The prodigal's restoration involved unconditional forgiveness, restored identity, renewed purpose and authority, and joyful celebration. The older son was his inheritance, a double portion inheritance. His one complaint, but I want it. You already had it. It's already yours. Come on, let's celebrate. He was calling him back into his father's heart. The father was calling him back in. Come on, stay close to me. You'll feel my heart. You'll feel that compassion again, that renewed compassion again for the lost. The renewed sense of responsibility you have for the double portion you've been given. Heaven itself can't even keep from celebrating every time one sinner, the, the Bible says, or one lost son returns home. 
or even one older brother renews their heart of compassion for the lost. And on the night the greatest gift was given, when the word became flesh and dwelt among us, all of heaven came to celebrate. And Luke 2 says, And there were shepherds living out in the fields nearby, keeping watch over their flocks at night. An angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were terrified. But the angel said to them, Do not be afraid. I bring you good news that will cause great joy for all people. That's the message you carry. Today in the town of David, a Savior has been born to you. There's that to whosoever will. He is the Messiah, the Lord. This will be a sign to you. You will find a baby wrapped in cloths and laying in a manger. And suddenly, a great company of the heavenly host appeared with the angel, praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest heaven and on earth peace to those whom his favor rests. On whosoever will. So on the eve of this Christmas season, allow me to present or even represent the greatest gift given, ever given from the Father is Jesus. Given to all, given to whosoever will. Will receive him as Lord and Savior. Will receive his life as their new life. That won't go about living life as they always have. But live their life for him. For to me, to live is Christ. And to die is gain. But to live is Christ. Christ in me. Christ before me. Christ for me. Christ for the world. The heavens lit up, the angels sung out, the shepherds bowed low as the world opened up to receive the greatest gift given to whosoever will. In the story of the prodigal son, it said that he came to his senses. So as we prepare to close today, I want to just focus on this came to his senses I mean, it says that the prodigal came to his senses while he was in the pig's pen. I'm hoping that, and I really believe that uh, it's time for some of us older brothers and sisters to come to our senses too. To re have that renewed compassion for the lost, the renewed responsibility that we carry with this double portion that we've been given. You know, we read that it wasn't enough just for the prodigal in the pig pen to recite his, his heart of I've sinned against heaven, I've sinned against my father, right? He had to get up. He had to go to his father. It's repent and do. We've talked about this the last few weeks. It's both. You can't just say, I'm sorry for my sins and not live his new life. It's not enough for you to just repent. God, forgive me. 
help me not to do it again and that you already have it in your mind you're going to go do it again well every time I get around these people we always end up how about you just not get around those people then Well, I'm supposed to witness to them. Let me let me just throw this out. Here's a here's a free nugget for you. I've learned this 25 years in the ministry here. If you have a let's put your group of friends right here. If you have this group of friends, even one friend, I don't care, and, and they're right here, and you're trying to you're up here, and you're trying to witness to them to bring them up, right? Isn't that what we're supposed to do? Isn't that what we're called to do? But if every time you get close to that group of friends or that one friends, you find yourself coming down here. You're wrong. Christ could set amongst the drunks and not get drunk. Because as I was, I've shared this with you before, uh, when I, and I did a lot of street witnessing. And I did it right early on. And I believe in that 100%. Do that right early on. Do it all the time. Constantly be telling you, there's that gift. You you have that responsibility. But people have misused the, the phrase of Paul when he said, I have become all things to all men so that I may reach all, right? Some people have used that. Well, I need to be a drunk to reach a drunk. No. Because if you're, you have to come down into the pit, how are you going to get them back out of the pit? easier to get him out of the pit if you stay up here out of the pit and tell him come up here oh well you can't just stand up there and point fingers did you hear that in the message at all pointing fingers no it's a gift you're giving it's a gift you're giving hey you know you don't have to live in the pig's pen desiring to eat the pods from the pigs your father's sitting on his on his porch so to say waiting for you to come home he's got everything you ever dreamed you could ever want even beyond he says even beyond what you can dream or imagine he has plans for you the reconciliation he's calling them back to it needs a responsibility on their part see if you dirty the message by taking the message down into the pit how's that going to help lift them out of it I know that that was a huge can of worms all in itself, and I'm so sorry because I hope you don't misunderstand my heart. Because like I said, I've reached out. I was the one. I was the one living in sin. Obviously, we all were before we received Jesus. Even the good ones was still sin without Christ. You, we were all lost. It's as simple as saying to the hungry, Jesus is the bread of life. And he says, well, that's nice, but I'm hungry. Right? You can feed him. Feed him. Now he's feeling the word. He's seeing the word. He's hearing the word. It's carrying that responsibility to care for. You've been given a double portion to care for. To care for. I love it. The earlier, the early church, 
said that they had everything in common. There was no needy person found among them. It's a huge message right there. That word, no needy person, means no person felt left out. Why? Because everybody carried the responsibility that, oh, I have and you need? Here. Are you hungry? Do you need? Do you need? Are you? That's that responsibility. So to the prodigal, what you gave me, I squandered, he said. Everybody has, has, God said, before I knitted you together in your mother's womb, I had plans for you. I prepared every day for you. Like a mother or a father scooping up their, their newborn baby saying, oh, I have big plans for you. I'm putting money away right now into your college fund. You will be the first female president. Big plans. Big plans. God has big plans for our life. But I've squandered. I've been doing this on my own. I've been doing this apart from you. That's the lost son, the prodigal son that you need to come home today. Today is the day of the Lord's favor. Today is the day of salvation. It's time for you to come home today. The older son, you've been given your double portion already. You've been a Christian for quite some time. Today's your day to Today's your day to renew that that heart of compassion for the lost. God, I'm sorry. I, I've been, let's just admit it. Own up to it. Really, that's the big message right here. The come to your senses is a own up to it. Don't try to flower it up and make it sound spiritual. Or, or give excuses for why you have, well, I do this, so I don't need, you know. Don't do that. If we fought as hard for the things we should be doing as we do for our excuses for why we're not doing them, this world would be a different place. Menzie County would be a different place. 85% unchurched in our county. It's just not God's heart. Whose job is it? Our job. Oh, Gigi's job, she's saying. No, it's your job, too. You're all priests. You're all apostles. You're all ambassadors. It's our responsibility. But own up to it. Come to your senses. And then go do something differently. It's insanity, the definition has been said, to think that you're going to get something different and keep doing the same thing. If you keep doing the same thing, you're always going to get the same result. Well, I'm tired of, you know, I don't even, I don't even like the word. I don't like to read. And every time I try to read, I don't understand it. Well, do something differently. Get with a buddy and say, hey, can we just read together? And maybe we can talk this out because when I read it, I don't understand it. Well, that would sure be something different. Well, when I pray, my head starts nodding and I get before the Lord and I lay out before the Lord. And next thing I know, I'm snoring. Well, then stand up and get passionate. Walk around. Well, when I turn on the music and try to worship the Lord, I just start practicing my beautiful acapella voice. 
you know, then shut off the music and just sit there at his feet like Mary did. Do something different. And please, 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 this, I mean, two days from Christmas, let every bow, every wrapping paper, every present remind you of your present that you're carrying. Are you still holding on to it? Did you tuck it away, put it on a shelf? Or are you looking for those whosoever wills to hand it to? Well, if I give it to them, what will I have? Guess what? You have another one. It's like a perpetual, unending gift that you can't just outgive God. I mean, just like, hey, that, that applies to money too. Proverbs over and over again says, a generous man will himself be refreshed. You can't outgive God. God says you lend or you give to the poor. It's like lending to God. Do you think God will repay his debts? Well, I only have $10, and if, I, if I'm supposed to give $10 to that person, then I won't have $10. Guess what? How many people have seen that somewhere you had that $10 again? Where did that come And more and more. Where did that come from? It happens. So would you stand? I want to just pray over you for this Christmas season, for this service. But I also want to open up the altars. And I told you I wouldn't forget. See, the Lord's calling. When I was uh, meditating, praying over the word for this Sunday, Friday, when I was getting ready, God gave me a word of knowledge, too, actually. One came in the form of severe pain. Couldn't figure out what it was right here in my arm. And it almost felt like it was coming from the wrist, but it was right here. And while I was getting ready and I felt that pain and then I was trying to squeeze my hand and I'm like, what is that? And God said, that's a word for Sunday. And I thought, well, this is only Friday, Lord. What are you giving me a word today for? And that pain just persisted right here in my right arm, right in my, I guess that's a forearm, right? Right here. The minute I said, okay, God, I'm going to write it down and I will share that word on Sunday, the pain went away. This morning, and I wrote it down. I was faithful. See, I wrote it down along with the other one. This morning, while I was getting ready, I heard a reminder. Don't forget about those words I gave to you on Friday. I went, why would you would it's probably just me because why would you boom that pain hit me right in the arm again and I said yes Lord I'll be faithful and I'll share that and that pain went away just like that so somebody here today or even listening by podcast you've been battling a pain right here in your arm who is that your right arm right here you've had a pain in your arm right here you guys do this to me every week. Three or four people came to me last week. That was me that you said. I'm like, why didn't you raise your hand then? You know how much this hurts standing up here doing this? Somebody has a pain right here in their arm. Okay, I'll continue to go on, but I'm going to call you out later. 
it's right here in your right arm. The next word is a longer one. I'm glad I wrote it down because I would have never remembered it. Right, Missy? Yeah. It says you're stuck in your walk with the Lord. The same issue or issues you had a year ago, you're still struggling with today. The word of knowledge for you is you have a stronghold and it's based off a lie that you've defended for years. You need to repent of that lie and that stronghold will break before you even understand or agree that it is a lie. And like scales, and I got that vivid picture, like salt, scales will fall from your eyes. And you'll be able to see that lie and the deception that you've been living under over that life for so long. So the word was that you felt like you've been stuck in your walk with the Lord. The same issue or issues you've had a year ago, you're still struggling with today. Who is that? Yes. 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 Did you hear that word? That you don't even believe that that stronghold is based off a lie. You, you don't even believe that that's a lie yet. But the minute you listen, I don't want to preach a whole nother message, but when Saul was stopped on the road to Damascus by the Lord and said, you're persecuting me, right? And he, he stood up, he was blind, took him into uh, the town and he had to wait there for Ananias, right? To come and pray for him. The Lord directed him. Three days later, Saul had in his possession the letter to do, to, to kill, to imprison the Christians, the people of the way. He believed he was doing the Lord's work. He believed he was doing the Lord's work. He didn't believe that it was a lie. The scales had to fall off his eyes. So the prayer over you this morning that said, yes, that's me. The prayer over you when people lay hands for you and pray for you this morning. I need you. I don't need you. You need to confess. God, if I've been believing a lie. Forgive me. I repent of that. Break this stronghold in me and you'll see scales fall off. And that will send your life in a new is it trajectory where it's it's not just a path it's a propelling of you're going to see an exponential like catapulting in your life but you have to come and the word is you have to repent of that lie and that stronghold will break even before you understand or agree that it is a lie you might not even right now standing here, which, oh, I don't know if I even believe this one, but um, you might not even know what it is. I believe the Holy Spirit's already putting the finger on that. And it's coming to your memory. And you'll immediately try to defend it. Don't defend it any longer. All right? Again, the pain in the arm right here. Did anybody else get anything else? You seeing anything else? All right. I want to open up the altar.
and then if that was you, either one of those, come up front. All right, we're going to pray for you. I'm going to pray with you. If you're a lost prodigal, you're ready to come back home. If you're an older brother and you feel like you need just for us to agree with you to pray for that renewed compassion. Father, I thank you, Lord, for your word is so good. You, oh Jesus, are the word. We thank you, Lord, that you love us so much that you call out our name in these words of knowledge like this. And you say, I see your pain. I see the torment. I, I see what's happening to your life. And I'm calling out your name and reaching down. And I want to touch you. The Holy Spirit is here. God is here. His love, forgiveness, compassion, His mercy, His favor is here. God, we know you're always here. But for some reason, you're here even more. And can't even understand how that is. But you're here even more. Healing is here. Freedom is here. Restoration is here. Come on, let's press in. Let's press in. We're opening up the altars. Come up. Please, please spend time. Don't run out and then I'll close and and pray over you in just a minute. But I just want to keep pressing into God right now. I just feel like there's more. And we don't need to just run out quickly. God, we're opening our ears to you right now, listening. God, we know that your word says that you want to confirm your word with miracles, signs, and wonders. To those whosoever will, we turn our face to you. We turn our attention to you, God. What do you want to do right now? What do you want to do right now, God? Direct us. Speak to us. God, we open ourselves up to you. We are willing, Lord. We 